Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. Today, get ready for yet another insightful episode as I engage in a captivating conversation with James Belt, the author of the inspiring book, Hope Realized, and the owner and president of Belt Enterprises. In this interview, James takes us on an extraordinary journey, starting from his early influences by his grandfathers to embarking on his first missionary trip. Along the way, he uncovers a profound connection between poverty and hopelessness, leaving a lasting impact on his perspective. James also opens up about his personal experiences with anxiety and emphasizes the importance of understanding your own stories, as well as recognizing the unique contributions we can make to help others. With a firm belief in the power of hope, he dispels the notion of hopelessness as nothing more than a lie. This conversation is brimming with valuable insights on leadership, the transformative power of hope, and how each and every one of us can make a meaningful difference in the world. Let's get started. James Bell, welcome to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. It's great to have you as a guest on the show, man. How are you doing? Thanks, John. I'm really excited to be here. I'm doing great. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to be on. No, I'm looking forward to our conversation today and learning a little bit more about you and the book you recently authored as well. But I'll start you off just like I start off all my first-time guests, and that's with a question really that goes back in time a little bit. Tell me a little bit of a story from your childhood that still impacts who you are today as a person or as a leader. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's funny, I had thought about that a lot as I was writing a book, interestingly enough. And the story that really comes to mind for me is related to my grandfathers. I had great parents growing up that believed in me and reinforced a lot of good stuff in me. But um, in particular, I remember I had my one grandfather that was kind of like the sports guy. He grew up a gym teacher, actually played uh, soccer professionally for a little while. And he always told me, you know, you can do anything you want, basically. Like, I believe in you. You can do anything you want. And he was that side of the the puzzle for me. And then I had another grandfather that was actually a Methodist pastor. And I can remember him speaking truth into my life in kind of a different way. And in particular, I remember receiving letters from him throughout my life. So from the time, I don't know, maybe I was 10, at least that's how I remember it. You know, I think earlier than 10, that that recollection doesn't come to mind, but he would write these letters to me. And some were just kind of, you know, hey, just because letters, I believe in you, you know, God has a plan for your life, all of that. Some were in in reaction to my less than intelligent decisions. <laughs> So like, but always positive reinforcing, you know, at the same time, it's kind of challenging. And, uh, and these were, I almost like to call them drops of hope in my life. You know, when I would find myself mm. kind of, you know, going off to the edge, you know, wondering kind of where, what my life was about. I don't know that I saw it that way in the moment, but I can remember even now, you know, gosh, 30 years later, these letters that I received and how much they meant to me and how much those words, you know, it wasn't the the letter itself per se, but it was the words that were spoken and that that stayed with me throughout my life moving forward. And, and that's been a huge influence in my life. So that's the one that comes to mind for me when you ask that question. James, I love you sharing that. And certainly grandfathers, I mean, they have that way, that, that second generation of having a big impact on us. But mm. I love that drops of hope, those letters. Yeah. And I can yeah. imagine your curiosity when you may have received one in the mail or slid under the door of your house. Like, what's this one going to be about? Is this feedback? Yeah. Or is this one of those builder uppers again? Or a little bit of both. So mm. thanks for sharing that. I I wish I probably did more writing. I like to write cards, but I think those those certainly those handwritten letters can be really powerful as well with regards to memory. And that's a that's a great memory to have. So mm. and probably 
you know, you see all that writing and things like that fed into really the conversation that we'll talk about mostly today. And that's a book that you offered. You've got it over your right shoulder there, Hope Realized. So I prior to kind of jumping into the content of the book, tell me a little bit about the background and how it led you to Hope Realized. And frankly, uh, while we won't have it on video, I'll have a picture of it when I do the artwork. Tell me about the picture on the front of the book as well, the mountains there. Yeah. Yeah. So how how we got there is interesting. So, uh, you know, I grew up, as I said, a great family. I grew up a child of a business owner and now actually run that business myself. Uh, fortunate enough to do that. But uh, through that process, learned a lot about, about a lot of things. Um, but uh, jumping kind of ahead, we as a family, in connection with our church, decided to start traveling to Nicaragua. Our church decided to do a mission trip. It was a, a pretty young church, and they got connected to an organization uh, that was working in Nicaragua. And we took a trip down to an orphanage down there. And I didn't actually go on that first trip. Uh, my parents went and my sister, I had one sister at the time, went uh, and they had a great time at this orphanage, Puente de Amistad. And I kind of imagined myself as the guy that would just send a check to the missionary. I never grew up wanting to be a missionary. You know, I kind of following in the, in the business center footstep there. And uh, when they came back, though, they said, hey, James, you need to go. So it took them about 12 months where they coaxed me into it. And the next summer I went on a trip and you know started to fall in love with the country. And then through that process, my parents actually decided to adopt a 15-year-old girl uh, from Nicaragua, uh, Emily, my my other sister now, who just turned 30, actually, wow. about a week ago. And she, uh, you know, my parents had mentioned, hey, we want to do this. And my sister and I were, were all for it. And through that process, I had the chance to spend a little more time there after taking some trips down there. And I started to ask questions. I started to wonder, okay... Uh, why does poverty exist? Why are people in this situation? As I started to develop relationships and poverty went from just being an idea, a concept, you know, the Catholic Charities commercials you see, uh, if you remember them, to, you know, Maria Jose, Josue, you know, people that had names. And that was that was my now my image of poverty. And what I realized was those people are just as capable as I am. You know, they have the same gifts. God has put the same potential within them. And yet they seem to be limited by by something. And so I started to ask questions. I had the chance to to travel down there and travel in some different areas. I talk about a little bit in the book out to a coffee farm and and things of that sort. And as I as I dug in deeper, I started to realize that it really was related to hope, that the issue was real hope uh, and a lack thereof. So, um, you know, a sense of hopelessness both practically and spiritually. And I eventually moved there and Again, we can get into that story if you'd like a little bit, but eventually ended up living there. And that was really reinforced over the three years I lived there. Um, that was in addressing these two areas of hope that we could make a real difference and create real lasting change. And so as I came back from Nicaragua, I just realized in 2015, hey, I should start writing this down. And whether that's just for maybe the kids I'll have one day, I have two kids now, but I didn't have any children at the time or or for my family or whoever might want to read it. Uh, but as I started to write it down, and it took me a while, I realized maybe this is something I'd want to share with others. And so that is kind of how we got to now a few years later, having a book, uh, Hope Realized. And you had asked about the cover uh, of the book. That's actually a volcano uh, from Nicaragua. Oh, okay. That's Yeah, that's uh, In the book. You talked about called, that. Yeah. Yeah. La Concepcion. And yeah, one of the images I like to think of with hope is actually that it's it's like a volcano, you know, that it's the potential within that 
um, within hope is much like the potential within a volcano. And oftentimes when you just look at it from a distance or, you know, I grew up knowing about volcanoes, making them in science class out of baking soda and vinegar. You know, I, know, I had no idea until one day I got to actually visit a volcano in Nicaragua and look into the crater. And I'm like, wow, this is way more powerful than I realized. And I think hope can be the same way. Uh, you know, we sometimes minimize the power of hope. We're like, hope's a great thing. But until we really, you know, come face to face with it and start to understand the, the potential it has and the ability to create change, uh, we can think of it as something smaller than it actually is, that has much more power than we realize. James, I'm taking notes, and there's so many good things that you said there. And I think you answered probably what my next question was going to be without even knowing that, because one of the things you said in there is one of the names of one of the chapters was hope is a noun. Mm, now yeah. I hear that hope is a volcano. Okay, <laughs> so right. maybe tell me a little bit more about how kind of you came to that resolution, because when folks look it up in the dictionary, you talk about it in the book, it's not really a noun that's there, but tell me about that difference for you. Yeah, so actually, I was, it's interesting. It's something that I had kicked around in my mind a while ago, and I was actually listening to a podcast interview and the person they interviewed, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was, but they were mentioning this idea that hope is a noun. And, you know, when we think of hope, uh, we often think of hoping, you know, we think of the, hey, I hope my team will win. I hope I'll pass the test, uh, you know, the things that we come with. And that's the verb form of hope. And you know, it's that hoping and it's a bit wishy-washy at times. You know, we don't know if it's going to happen. Um, you know, I was an Orioles fan. I've been an Orioles fan growing up. And there was oftentimes my hopes were dashed, although this year they were a little better. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we get this idea that it's hoping and it's kind of like, well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe, it'll, maybe it won't. But when I talk about hope in this sense, this real life-changing hope, I call it all-in hope. It's this hope that's a noun. It's foundational. It's based on something real. Um, you know, I talk about spiritual hope for me that um, comes to my belief in Jesus and and uh, just this potential, God-given potential that we have, the spiritual hope that's put within us um, that uh, that we can realize. And it's finding that identity in, in that real hope, in that spiritual hope, um, in that God-given potential that we were created on purpose and for a purpose, that it becomes a noun. Um, that hope becomes a noun. And, and we realize, no, it's not just this wishy, it doesn't have to be this wishy-washy thing. It can be something foundational and concrete that can allow us to move through things that seem like they would stop us, to, to break through the wall of hopelessness that maybe we see or we even have inside ourselves sometimes. And um, and then there's a practical element to it too, obviously. It's the, hey, I have the potential, but you know we need the resources to realize that potential. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's part of that noun as well in a sense, but that's kind of where it comes from. And that's well, where I the think, volcano you know, idea comes from. And yeah. listening to your story too, all the way through where you talked about, you know, the first thing you would do is that's okay, I'll write a check. And make a donation yeah. each year to i lived in nicaragua for three years and <laughs> now i have uh, uh an adopted sister as well who's from nicaragua and and you know my guess i'm going to get to a little bit of, in terms of your business and your enterprise as well how it manifests itself there but there was a a line in your book that says you know people don't plan long term because if we do we'll just get our, get our hearts broken mm. and it's best not to hope now that that sounds a little bit like that word that you just used that it's the absence of hope or hopelessness. Yeah. And in, in your book, you say hopelessness is a lie. Tell me yeah. more about that as well. Yeah. So as I thought about hopelessness, and really it was through the writing process that I came up with that term, hopelessness is a lie, because I I knew there was hopelessness. You know, I had lived in the midst of, you know, what many would experience, would describe as hopelessness. And when I say hopelessness in that form, it's the easy to see kind of hopelessness, you know, poverty where people are making less than $2 a day to living in shacks made from 
uh, materials they just you know can find as squatters you know they don't know where their next meal is coming from um you know uh, education's a huge issue, unemployment's a huge issue, all of the things that we can easily identify as hopelessness. But obviously we have hopelessness too that we carry, right? Things that we were like, man, my dreams can't come true. It's it's not possible. Or, you know, I wasn't really made for anything. Um, you know, I was made for less than. And so as I struggled with this, it was like, I know hopelessness is there, but I don't think hopelessness ultimately um, has to play a a permanent role in our life, if that makes sense. So I don't think anybody is truly hopeless or innately hopeless. I believe that we can find ourselves trapped in hopelessness. And that's really where I came up with this, with this thought that hopelessness is a lie. It's that, it's that um, hopelessness itself is, doesn't have power until we give it power mm-hmm. in almost okay. in essence, whether it's us personally or somebody else. And when we buy into that lie, it holds us captive. But when we break through that lie, um, we can move beyond it. And we can realize that that potential. And so that's where it really comes from is this belief that no one is truly hopeless and that um, it's a lie that holds us captive. It's like, you know, the thought just came to my mind. Uh, Sometimes people describe um, darkness versus light and that darkness is really just the absence of light, right? That without light, darkness doesn't really exist. And so it's kind of like that without hope, hopelessness doesn't doesn't really exist. Hey, listeners, I want to take a quick moment to share something special with you. Many of the topics and discussions we have on this podcast are areas where I provide coaching and consulting services for individuals and organizations. If you've been inspired by our conversation and are seeking a catalyst for change in your own life or within your team, I invite you to visit coachjohngallagher.com forward slash free call to sign up for a free coaching call with me. It's an opportunity for us to connect, discuss your unique challenges, and explore how coaching or consulting can benefit you and your team. Okay. Let's get back to the show. So, yeah, yeah, I mean that the lack of hope that's there, and you you touched yeah. on your faith. Obviously, is a is a big part of who you are as a leader. You mentioned in the book, or you used Hebrews eleven one as one of your uh, statements. That says faith faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance mm-hmm. about what we do not see. And so, for you personally, James, you started to go along this path. Where does hopelessness? tend to come into your life and how do you overcome that hopelessness or that maybe that lack of faith? Mm, Yeah. So it's been at different moments throughout my life. You know, when I was younger, there was a sense of hopelessness about my uh, potential, even with writing, which is ironic because I wrote a book. um, And I speak about that a little bit, how I had an investment from my grandmother who who invested in me and, and tutored me. Um, but I kind of at certain points in my life have seen myself as really not created for for um, you know a great life in whatever way you think of great. You know, you can you could surmise certain things from that, but I didn't see the potential inside myself. And so I can find myself trapped in that. I had a journey with anxiety, you know, I still occasionally struggle with it today, even. And there were moments in that journey where I found myself feeling kind of hopeless, you know, like goodness, um, you know, am I gonna be able to move past this and not have it be um, you know, a huge dominating factor in my life. And so I found myself in those moments. I didn't get married till I was in my 30s, which isn't, you know, late by any means, but I thought I was getting married in my early 20s. And so there was like this 10-year gap where I was like, okay, what's going on here? And so I found myself in these various moments. Thankfully, I've never, you know, had to experience uh, poverty personally um and to deal with that, but I have in in the uh, spiritual way in some senses and in the emotional way and um that's where I found myself and it's easy to get trapped there and and say 
no, this is just how it is. And I could see myself, you know, especially with anxiety kind of saying like, no, you know, I better just stop because anything that's going to put pressure on me is going to make me anxious. And um, I better just kind of sit, you know, and and live this life for however long I'm going to live it and uh, and not deal with that. And I think that hope has allowed me uh, my my understanding of hope and, and my potential and my belief that I was created on purpose and for a purpose by a God who loves me to fight, you know, um, beyond that and, and to grab confidence in this hope that really is out external is outside myself and to not neither find myself trapped there. So interesting, James. So, you know, your book, while it, it focuses its energy on your story in Nicaragua, it focuses is the energy on poverty you know, what you just described really is, is, and we think about the Uncommon Leader podcast, the listeners that are there, that we all suffer from this lack of confidence, this lack of hope, this, you know, things like anxiety or uh, relationship challenges that we have. And so <laughs> for for lack of a better word, what are a couple of tips that you could give them to uh, to help to overcome that? What are, what are some ways you've been able to overcome it? Yeah, I think a couple of things I think of personally is... Um, it's interesting. I'll say a couple pieces on it. One, to replace lies with truth. So we talk about the lies of hopelessness, right? And so it's identifying, okay, what are the lies I'm believing? What is it that I'm allowing to create this hopelessness in myself? And then identifying truths that that fight against that, that say, no, that's not the truest thing about me. Um, yes, that is true. Uh, you know, I deal with anxiety, but that doesn't have to define me. You know, it doesn't have to be the truest thing about me. And in my case, that might be, like I said, uh, hey, I, I have God-given potential and I'm created on purpose and for a purpose by a God who loves me. Um, he didn't create me to to be mired in my, you know, living in my anxiety without um, any hope. And so that's a big piece of it. And one thing I tell people, even in trying to think about how you can make a difference in others' lives, is to get curious about your own story and to look back and say, where has hope played a role in my life? Uh, many times, you know, we get stuck in the moment and we forget about the the moments prior um, that we overcame something or that we had someone speak into our life or that God came through for us, wherever, you know, you come from, from all that perspective. But we, uh, we forget that. And I think getting curious about my, our own story, and then even maybe other people's story where you've seen hope play a role and say, no, look, this person was, um, this person was, you know, I think of Victor Frankel and, uh, man's search for meaning and, you know, his book about being in a, uh, concentration camp and, finding hope. And you can find hope in those stories as well and see, goodness, this person seemed to be completely forgotten. And then, you know, there's a realization that no, he wasn't. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, ways we can be curious about how hope has played a role in our lives and the lives of others that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And then getting clear on, okay, well, what, what is it that I can do? Um, what, you know, what, what is my God-given potential and how can I exercise that and point myself in that direction instead of kind of stuck in where I am? That's what, when I find myself really anxious now, Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I sitting here? Um, I can't control all, all the things that are making me anxious, but I can control um, what I'm focusing on. And so that that's helpful too. Love that. Replacing lies with truth. So there, there's an awareness that's there. To your point, you start to feel something where you start to go down this path of, of feeling mm -hmm. lack of hope, like getting curious about your own story and frankly, learning from other people's stories. I think you know, that's why we do these podcasts. That's why we share so that, you know, your story can help to inspire someone else who may be going through that. And then ultimately thinking, Hey, I can't sit in this chair. What do I need to go and do? What action do I need to take to go forward? Yeah. So I, I appreciate you sharing that in terms of those, those ways that you deal with it. Cause it's not, it's not easy. Some people get stuck in it. Now 
that's the perspective of us as leaders. Outside of that, as leaders, we're we're all pretty fortunate. I mean, if we're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it on a thousand dollar phone, or you're watching it on your laptop, or you know, you're you're walking on a treadmill in a membership in a gym or whatever you're doing, we're all pretty fortunate. And those stories that you share in your book as well are those that really don't have the means to come through that. So as leaders, as servants, as us being, you know, what we're really brought here to be, and that's to serve others, you know, how can, how can we all play a role in creating change and bringing hope to others, those who may not have it as much? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a huge piece of why I wrote the book is really that as I came back, you know, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't somebody that wanted to be a missionary. I didn't really see myself that way. You know, I saw myself as somebody that wanted to be in business and and you can make a lot of difference doing that as well. And that's what I really, a lot of what I do now. But but as I came back, I realized, no, I can make a difference. Like we each have the potential to make a difference. And so one thing I, I talk about in the book is how do we kind of activate that within ourselves? And it starts with actually where I talked about how do we address that hopelessness within us. And it it starts, in my opinion, with uh, taking a look at, at you know, why does poverty exist? So I, I say, get curious. So get a, get a better understanding of why poverty exists. What do I believe about people in poverty? It doesn't have to be poverty. There's other issues, but whatever issue it is, get curious about that issue and say, why does it exist? What do I believe about it? What do I believe about the people that are in poverty? You know, is there anything that might be uh, holding me back? Do I really believe there's hope for them? That's a really important question to ask, because it's hard to bring hope to someone if you don't truly believe there's there's hope for them. And so getting curious about that is super important. Getting curious about your own story, like I said, and how hope has played a role is a big piece of it. And then I tell, I tell people, Think about what you bring to the table. So what is it that you have to offer? We all have something. And, you know, I first started traveling to Nicaragua. We went to an orphanage and we hung out with kids and, you know, built relationships. And that was great. You know, it was an awesome time. But I was trying to understand, okay, that's wonderful. But how do I use the business skills, the finance skills I have to make a difference here? You know, as someone with that background, with an economics background a little bit as well, I looked around and I said, there's got to be some way I can make a difference. I'm just beyond this. And so just given my skill set. And so I was able to figure that out and work through that during my time in Nicaragua and use those skills. And so more than likely, you have a skill that could benefit somebody um, that you could bring to the table and offer to someone to bring either practical hope, you know, something that uh, provides a real opportunity for someone is another way I like to say it, or spiritual hope, something that helps to reframe their identity around the fact that they do have potential, that they are created for something more. And so in one of those two ways, you more than likely bring something to the table. I would say everyone does truly bring something to the table that can make a difference for someone else. And then I like to say, get connected. More than likely, there's someone else that brings another piece of the puzzle to the table, right? And so getting connected and finding a way to work together, uh, finding an organization within your community or the the community that you want to have an impact on and saying, hey, I have this, you know, I can bring this to the table you know, maybe I have something to offer to to partner with you. And that's been really helpful in Nicaragua, even with NicoWorks, the organization I work with, where we've been able to partner and work with others that have another piece of the puzzle and we're able to bring what we bring and it works beautifully together. And then the last thing I say is just take a step. You know, we can think about a lot of things, but eventually we have to take a step. And that step could be a lot of things. Some of them, it could be some of those first steps that I talked about. It could be just going out and serving one day somewhere, you know, uh, 
you know, whether it's somewhere in your community or or somewhere else, it might be reading a book like, you know, Hope Realized or, you know, there's another great book, When Helping Hurts, there's you know, a million of them if you're interested in poverty, but take a step in that direction. And what I found is as you take a step, um, the next step will become more clear. Hmm. And, you know, I said I first started by being coaxed into going on a mission trip and then I ended up living in Nicaragua. Obviously, there was a lot of a lot in between, right? But there were these little progressive steps that eventually led me there to this moment that I felt like God put on my heart, hey, you're supposed to live here for three years. And it was in taking those steps that that got me there. And sometimes we're like, I want to be here and and we get caught up maybe. And that's good. It's good to have a vision. That's important. But don't get caught up in the like, I have to be there like in five minutes. It might be there's a progressive step in between that you have to get to to get there. So get curious, think about what you bring to the table, get connected, and then take a step. Love that. Take a step. And like you said, that step doesn't always have to be, we have to make this decision to go on a missionary trip or to live in another yes. country. That's not yeah. how it is. It's some find something that you're gifted at that you can really add back and give back. And it can be something that's really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, James, again, appreciate you sharing that as to how we can get engaged. And so now give me a little bit of the fulfillment. So tell me a story that's impacted you where you've taken that step in. Maybe it's when you were living in Nicaragua or when you first went there that impacted you and helped you feel fulfilled in the in the mission that you're in. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of them, but the one that comes to mind in particular is the Nika Bike Shop. So we have a bike shop that that was launched in Nicaragua, and it it sells used bikes actually from the United States. They're collected in the United States and then sent down there, and they they refurbish them. They actually pay for them, and some of that that money actually goes back into to serving people in Nicaragua. They pay a small fee for them, and then they they refurbish and sell them, but that came out of a a small vocational training program that was happening in Nicaragua. And at one point we realized this could really make a difference for people. And there was a guy that actually is now on staff with NicoWorks, Josh, and a couple other guys. And we said, hey, we would love for you to be a part of this. And we started to dream and they put together a business plan uh, for this bike shop. And we we started to work on that. And in 2014, actually, the bike shop officially launched as as a business and what's been neat to see is even i talk about josh and josh is an amazing guy um, but to see even his growth and his belief in and what is possible and and the shop and how it's impacted lives there that you know this little shop that was born out of small vocational training program in a a little community that then uh, some guys that you know you would easily say you know they could just kind of think well you know opening a bike shop in Managua, you know, is it really going to make it, you know, there's 50% plus unemployment in many places in Nicaragua, you know, is it, is this really going to make any sense, but they bought into it and they had hope. Uh, and that hope was reinforced and, and they gained hope and believed in their potential and, and took advantage of that resource, that practical hope that was given to them. And now 10 years later, it's one of the uh, largest retail bike retail shops in, in Nicaragua. Uh, and there's a second bike shop now in Bluefields, which is on the Atlantic coast of Nicaragua. And, and just making a difference, you know, not just, you know, because it's providing jobs and income for people, but actually they're able to then relationally invest in the people that that work with them and, and give that in that way, too. And so that's something that's been really neat to watch develop and grow and um, fight through some really challenging moments and see them not give up and say, no, I believe there's hope, you know, even though you know sometimes 
things around me don't don't say that <laughs> right mm-hmm. um that i believe there's real hope and what's been neat is that's then parlayed into other opportunities you know that josh and and nika works has been a part of where we're starting sweet a sweet corn operation that's kind of going to do the same thing and has, has been doing and is going to launch to now a new bigger project to provide the same, same kind of opportunity for people and maybe even on a larger scale and just to see one it start you know as this little bike shop this little bike vocational training program into a bike shop and now you know growing and then even kind of almost birthing other things it's just really really cool and inspiring and gets me excited about being involved there as well moving forward one step a volcano is going to start to erupt right it continues yeah, yeah. to grow and grow absolutely yeah. hope realized as you said in the book james i can't believe how fast our time is going gone mm-hmm. in our conversation today Tell tell folks how they can stay in touch with you. They're going to want to know more about you. Yeah. So you can go to my website, jameshbelt.com. And on that website, actually, there's a link there. And if you're listening now, you can you can click on that link and it it says to get a free guide. And it'll give you, and I talked about getting curious, um, thinking about what you bring to the table. Well, that'll actually give you five steps, five foundational steps you can take to make a difference in someone's life. And you can download that free guide and that'll help you to to learn how to make some steps. You can also get connected and, and pick up my book, Hope Realized, on the website. It's also on Amazon, really anywhere anywhere you find books online and you can get connected there. And I'd love to you know connect with you and think about how to help you make a difference and bring hope to others. Excellent. Thank you, James. Well, I'm going to finish you up just like I finished all my first-time guests, and that's I'm going to give you a billboard. I'm going to give you the last word here. Uh, you can put that billboard anywhere you want to, including in Nicaragua, if you want to. Hundreds or thousands of people awesome. going by it, wherever you want to put it. But it's, I'm giving you you know, full reign of what you want to put on that billboard. Tell me what mm-hmm. you're going to put on it and why. Yeah, so I think what I would say is actually the last line of my book. So here's a little preview is, change is possible, hope wins the day. And it's this belief that change can happen. You know, sometimes we, especially right now, there's so much turmoil in the world and we kind of think, goodness, is is everything hopeless? But I just don't believe that. And I continue to see change in the midst of hopelessness. And um, so it reminds me that change is possible and that hope ultimately wins the day, whether that's today, tomorrow, or in eternity, that hope wins the day. And that uh, that when we grab onto that and believe in that real foundational hope that you know anything is possible in our lives personally and in the way that we can be used to make a difference in others. So yeah, that was, that's what I'd say. Change is possible and hope wins the day. Excellent. James, thank you very much. You've been a gift to the listeners of the Uncommon Leader podcast today. I wish you the best in the future. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Okay. Thanks, John. This has been fun. And that wraps up another episode of the Uncommon Leader podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found value in this episode, I encourage you to share it with your friends, colleagues, or anyone else who could benefit from the insights and inspiration we've shared. Also, if you have a moment, I'd greatly appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps us to improve, but it also helps others discover the podcast and join our growing community of uncommon leaders. Until next time, go and grow champions.